So our final few hours of practice together. It's uh, easy on a closing day to to find oneself speeding up again and just a real encouragement um, to practice not needing to do so, you know to let the sense of grounding really support this being a nourishing day rather than a day when I'm just pre-living, you know, and, and going back into a kind of drivenness. And just to explain the first part of the morning will be the the rhythm that we've had the last two days so some reflections now and then sitting time and then a walking period uh, and then um, we'll meet back in here at 10.45 for a sitting so we're kind of keeping that rhythm and then we'll have some time we're going to set up some time in small groups just to reflect on the experiences of the weekend uh, and then the lunch period when um, silence will kind of break, as they use that word, it's a kind of curious word, but uh, and then uh, back into silence for the room cleaning because many years of experience has found that um, if one doesn't do that it doesn't tend to happen so well. Um, so. <laughs> um, really part of our dana and appreciation of Gaia House is to do that really well. Um, and then a closing session at 2.30 where we'll, we'll offer some reflections about kind of going on from here and practice in daily life. But also we'd like to give some space for questions because we're conscious that there have been questions arising for quite a number of you and wanted to give some space as part of our kind of closing uh, time together just for questions and reflections. Can't promise answers but can offer responses. So so that's the shape of the day. Um, And as we've been We've said a few times that the the framework for retreat like this and the framework for uh, mindfulness practice, contemporary mindfulness practice, whether in its more kind of Buddhist um, contexts or in more secular contexts, are these four satipatthanas, these four ways of establishing mindfulness. Um, and... Uh, really kind of commend to you um, reading and reflection and practice within this framework because it, it's kind of inclusive of all dimensions of our experience and uh, offers these really helpful pointers to where in our experience to take a friendly, kind, mindful attention and curiosity. And so just to kind of um, map again the, the first 
Satipatthana being body and we spent much of our time together reflecting on body and truly never leave the body in the practice. So it's not, these Satipatthanas, they're not kind of, okay, done body, let's move on to the next one. You know, the body is the arena for the whole practice. You know? And then this theme of Vedana, feeling tone, uh, and the way in which that can be can prime reactivity, you know, the, the the wanting and the not wanting, and just how that is really there. The as the Buddha calls it, it's the origin of suffering. Is is reactivity to pleasant and unpleasant, especially, you know. The third Satipatthana Jaya mentioned last evening. I'm going to say a little bit more about this morning is reflection on on mind states, mind, chitta, heart, mind, and bringing mindfulness to the quality or state of the heart, mind, moment by moment. The fourth is actually. Uh, more difficult to translate, it's the, the Pali is the word dhammas, D-H-A-M-M-A, uh, which could be translated as, as f- kind of mental phenomena or mental themes. And it's a, it's a selection of uh, lists uh, that are helpful contemplative lenses for our experience. The two most important lists are the hindrances and what are called the awakening factors. And we've reflected some on the hindrances here, you know, and we've encountered them. Uh, And so just to give that sense, okay, the hindrances are part of that fourth Satipatthana, along with awakening factors that we, we won't have time to kind of speak about as a list, but they've been very much part of our reflections, mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, calming, collectedness, equanimity. Those are the awakening factors. You sense these are themes that have been part of our kind of reflections over these days. This third Satipatthana of Chitta, so heart, mind, mental state, really drawing our attention to just how influential the state of mind in any moment is on our experience. And of course, there's always a mental state, isn't there? (laughs) You know? You could just sense right now, what's the state of the heart-mind right now? Calm, peaceful, anxious, irritable, grumpy, contented, amused, bored, jealous, blank, (laughs) you know, numb, mindful, you know, just to, f- to sense it, just to feel it. 
Sometimes we can name it, sometimes we can't quite name it. You know, or we sense, oh, there's a, a number of different qualities that are here in the present moment. <coughs> and there's just a sense of, okay, the, the mind is like this, the heart mind is like this. Contracted, restless, spacious. We can sense that some of these qualities are moods. So grumpy, sad, irritable, uh, contented mood. Some of them are, are more just qualities, restless, contracted, antsy, you know, calm. And you know we can sense and some of you have reflected on this a lot, I'm I'm sure, just how influential the mood of the moment is in shaping the world of the moment. You know, the mood of the moment shapes what thoughts arise, how we perceive things, how we perceive other people, how we perceive ourselves. We know that the work around MBCT highlights how mood influences memory retrieval, doesn't it? what kinds of memories come up. Influences how the body feels. Influences what I find myself saying or doing. <laughs> you know? This really, it's kind of sobering sometimes to realize just how, how much the mood how just how much it shapes experience, you know, the mood or mental state. It, they can govern our lives, can't they? Mental states. You know. And and there are many lovely mental states. You know, Jaya spoke about some last evening, didn't she? Kindness, joy, compassion, equanimity, contentment, gratitude. You know, and and really to honour those, really to allow them to have their fullness, to kind of uh, soak in them, to use the Buddha's invitation. And of course, you know, the practice, um, whether yeah, on retreat like this or in daily life or in. Uh, the context of eight-week courses is is often about how to uh, work with, how to practice with, how to hold difficult mental states. And that insight from MBCT that often it's the reactivity to the unpleasant Vedana of a mental state that is is really kind of what triggers a lot of the difficulty or the busyness. Yeah? Do we sense that? You know, the reactivity to the unpleasantness of sadness or irritability, anxiety. <laughs> yeah? It's unpleasant. And uh, part of, you know, the Vedana teaching is that it's often the Vedana that we're reacting to rather than the object. Or the mental state, you know, and that what the reactivity to to the unpleasant vedana of low mood or un you know unpleasant 
moods or mental states, what does it tend to do? It often produces a lot of thinking, doesn't it? You know, which is this kind of problem-solving mechanism coming in. You know, we see just how much more productive of thinking unpleasant moods and mental states are than pleasant ones. You know, we don't. If we wake up in the morning feeling content, we don't tend to think, "Oh my goodness, why am I content? What does that mean about me? Oh dear!" You know, and kind of getting into the story of of a pleasant mood, it, they just don't generate so much story. But we can see that the feedback loops are, are so powerful. You know, how do we feed a low mood? Think <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you know, ruminate. This word the Buddha has a, a, a word, papancha, which, which uh, means to kind of proliferate, th- proliferating thought that just multiplies and entangles like a net and, and makes things seem real, <laughs> makes things seem real. You know. And so, you know, reflecting on, well, how uh, practicing with, how to respond to uh, mental states. Well, you know, the GRAIN acronym may be helpful around this, you know, particularly, particularly with unpleasant mental states, but even with pleasant ones, just to ground for a moment and pause and then recognize, you know, Jaya offered that question last night that's so helpful to ask, oh, what's happening now? What's happening now? Because difficult moods often gain a lot of their power by being unconscious, don't they? You know, not quite recognizing that I'm anxious. I'm going through the mo- morning snapping at everybody and actually hadn't quite recognized that, oh, I'm, there's anxiety here. <laughs> you know? It's like, ah, oh, reveals something brings mindfulness to something that's that's helpful because it's easy for moods and particularly for the thought patterns associated with them to take us for a ride you know unpleasant mental states are generally some combination of the five hindrances so they're they're you know interacting with each other and and certainly if we think well three and a half of the hindrances are about thoughts aren't they wanting not wanting doubt and worry (laughs) are all about thought and it's so easy to be taken for a ride by that and just to pause and say oh hmm, doubt is like this or anxiety is like this that recognizing and the A for allowing well we can see how aversion to the mood or mental state or to the Vedana of it feeds it doesn't it you know 
not wanting something tends to lock the experience and make it seem more solid. Can we feel that with physical pain as well as with difficult mental states? If I don't like this mental state, I don't like this sadness, I don't like this anger, or you know, the sense of shame, which is one of the most difficult mental states, the aversion to it often makes it feel more solid and prolongs it, doesn't it? And actually just to find our feet and breathe with and allow, allow this, okay, right now it's like this. Right now there's the sense of shame. But I'm finding my feet in the midst of it. I'm allowing the wave of it to have that sense of these emotional states are like waves, or it's helpful to perceive them as like waves. Allow the wave of sadness to wave through, you know. Or allow the, the loveliness of contentment to expand, you know. So grounding, recognizing, allowing, sometimes the hand on heart and belly that Jaya was recommending, okay, I'm going to allow this feeling. I appreciate how Tara Brack describes the eye as investigating with kindness. You know. And the, the, it's a key, key part of the practice, isn't it? This investigating, oh, how does this mood or mental state feel in the body? What's the body of contentment? Or what's the body of anxiety? Or the body of just sadness? The, the wisdom question is often the question, how does this work? So how does this mental state work? This, this irritability. What feeds, what feeds it? Sometimes we can find we, we're behaviorally feeding mental states, aren't we? <laughs> kind of racing around. Uh, and actually that's just putting fuel on the fire. You know, what feeds it? And also what fasts it? So how can I practice not feeding this difficult mood. We, we've, we've spoken quite a bit about, um, you know, what parts of the body might be outside the mood. Soles of the feet, not depressed. Sit bones, not judgmental, <laughs> you know. The silence or the hearing, not contracted. And to kind of lean into those resources that are outside the mood of the moment can just bring some steadying and, and some fasting. And that's kind of getting to know how it works. The, Bu the Buddha recommended that with the hindrances. He said, kind of get to know how they work. Get to know what gives rise to them. Get to know what diminishes them. What helps prevent them from getting stronger, you know. The what story 
what story am I believing you know, about this? George Gershwin wrote a song that you may know. It goes, it ain't necessarily so. And I sometimes kind of sing that to myself when, you know, locked in a story about something that I'm really believing. It ain't necessarily so, you know. The compassion question, what does this need? You know, what does this need? Oh, it needs kindness. It needs that question, which is the title of session seven of NBCT. How can I best take care of myself in the midst of this? So the wisdom questions, how does this work? What does this need? The compassion question. How long will this last? You know, that, that curiosity. I wonder how long this grumpiness will last, <laughs> you know. Just highlights its impermanence. Kind of lifts some of the aversion that is prolonging it, you know. And then the, the N, the non-identification, the not-self, the recognizing mental states as weather patterns that are not me, not mine, just the product of conditions in the moment. You know. Or recognizing thoughts as thought buses that come along and want to take us for a ride, generally in repeat loops. <laughs> yeah? And what is it to see that thought as a thought bus rather than as the truth about who I am? That sense of thoughts as mental events, not facts. This de-centering, this recognizing the not-self nature of experience that is so liberating, so profoundly liberating, so profound and liberating. <laughs> uh, And that really is uh, integral to the, the freeing that this path points towards. So the last day of a retreat may be a particularly good time to be curious about mental states. <laughs> and, and to pause, you know, to pause regularly during the day and just checking, okay, what's happening? What's happening? And and if if any of the the grain invitations feels helpful, just to engage that intentionality, grounding, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness, and and non-identifying. So as we. Uh, Take some time now to sit. I know you're sitting already, but you know what I mean. Take some time to sit in more formal practice.
maybe sensing there the unconditional support of ground. It's not something we have to earn or manufacture. Just kind of there, supporting, steadying. Absorbing of some of the agitation of body and heart-mind, if we allow it to be. And then you might like just to inquire, okay, so what's happening? What's happening? How is this moment in the body-heart-mind? the mood or mental state of the moment. How does that mood or mental state resonate in the textures of sensation and energy in the body? This moment is like this. This mental state feels like this. Can there be an allowing and a breathing with the mood or mental state of the moment. Rather than bracing against it, if it's unpleasant, just uh, and allowing it, knowing that it's impermanent, knowing that it's already changing, as all things are.
And oftentimes just the grounding and recognizing and allowing is enough. But if it feels like it would be helpful or interesting or loosening of experience to investigate with kindness. And you may like to take some time to do that. Recognizing state of mind of this moment is not me, not mine. Thought patterns, not me, not mine. Just phenomena arising, changing, being known. holding experience with interest and with kindness. As it changes moment by moment, breath by breath. So practicing in this sitting in whatever way feels helpful to you at this time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.